Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the V1 Church Podcast. We have a very important message for you about boundaries in relationships. As a matter of fact, here's a question. How do you define cheating? How do you know what cheating is? Oh, it's going to be good. My name is Mike Signorelli. I'm the lead pastor, and I am so excited for you to dive into God's answer about the questions that plague us in relationships. So go ahead and take a listen. If we haven't had the pleasure of meeting yet, my name is Evan. Like Pastor Julie said, I'm one of the pastors here at V1 Church. And uh, I have the privilege of sharing a message with you today. Uh, I make absolutely no effort to hide the fact that I believe in the person, power, and saving grace of Jesus. I believe that uh, any situation, any burden, any heartbreak that you came in with today is under the jurisdiction of God's ability to rectify and heal. Uh, you know, the culture of our, our, of our world today, it, it might tell you that there's a program, a podcast, or a self-help book that can save you. Uh, and while those things may have their place, what I've found is that there's only one person who can do anything of real eternal significance in your life, and that's Jesus. Yeah. And uh, I do want to say, though, that you don't have to believe that to belong here, uh, to be loved here, and to feel welcomed here. Uh, I think that sometimes where the church at large, where we can maybe go wrong, is we hold up this idea that you have to believe before you can belong. But when I look at the Bible and when I see what Jesus did, what I see is him asking a whole bunch of people to follow him before they were 100% certain or sold on who he was yet. I think it's important to honor process. You know, recognizing that some of us, we come to faith in a moment, but for some of us, it's a journey, right? It's a journey of exploration. So wherever you find yourself in life today, uh, I just pray that this message would strengthen your faith and point you to Jesus. I'm not up here to impress any of you. Uh, I'm just here for an audience of one. Uh, but I do hope that over the next few minutes that uh, you would just leave this place knowing Jesus better, loving him more, and hopefully walk out more healed and whole than when you came in. So that's the goal for today. Uh, but before we dive in, I do need to take a minute, and I need to give some honor to our amazing lead pastors. Where's Pastor Julie? Is, oh, she's in the other room? Okay, well, we'll just cheer louder for her then. Um, but for real, uh, and like Pastor Julie said, uh, Pastor Mike isn't even in the building because he's in Eastern Europe with a team putting on V1 services and worship nights. Did you guys know that today we were a church of four locations? Because we had services happening in Hungary. That's amazing. And who's grateful to have pastors who are so passionate about reaching people? I told V1 Queens this earlier today, but uh, we have a belief in our church that uh, as long as there's one person in the world that doesn't know Jesus, our church isn't big enough and it's not full enough. And it's apparent to see how Pastor Mike and Julie lead our church that that's their heartbeat. So uh, can we just give them a hand one more time? And I'm super, super grateful and just humbled uh, that they would give me the opportunity to share with you guys tonight. Uh, and today we are closing down our series, Ghosted. And if you've been with us for the past few weeks, you know it's been an incredible time. Uh, I, was, I was talking to Pastor Julie before the service. I'm like, man, there's a lot of kids in this room. Like, how, how are we going to navigate this? But... Um, but uh, I'll, I'll try to keep it the language a little bit censored. But if it slips out, I mean, hey, this is the church of the real. And uh, I don't know about you guys. I've talked to a lot of people that say, man, I wish that I would have learned about sex in church, not in the world. So if you're cool with it, I mean, kids, you know, I can't promise. But we're going to keep it biblical. We're going to keep it wholesome tonight. Um, but that's my disclaimer for tonight. 
But we've been talking about sex, we've been talking about singleness, relationships, marriage, and it's been such an amazing time in church uh, this past month. But tonight, we're going to be talking about the concept of boundaries. And, and, and the premise I'm going to be working from tonight is that boundaries are a good thing. Yeah. More specifically, God's boundaries are a good thing. And more specifically still, God's boundaries in regards to our relationships, our sexuality, and our marriages are a good thing. Yeah. I think that it's become somewhat of a dominant belief in our culture today that, that boundaries are this subjective kind of malleable thing, right? That, that, that boundaries, when it comes to our relationships, whether they be physical boundaries or emotional boundaries or something that's, that's maybe left up to the individual or the couple to define, determine, and kind of establish. But what I would pose to you tonight is that there are boundaries that have been established by God for your relationships yeah. to the end that your relationships would actually be better and more fulfilling in the long term. Yeah. And I don't know about I don't know about you guys, but something that I, that I don't hear an awful lot when I talk to people is, man, would you just look at John and Becky's relationship? Like their relationship goals, they have zero boundaries. <laughs> like, like you don't hear that too often. Like, man, they just flirt with everybody. Anything that moves, they're just like they're texting other people all the time and. We don't say that. That's not something we really value in relationships, uh, at least for me. Anytime that I see a couple that's really got a good thing going on, the common denominator that I see is that they all have not perfect, but healthy biblical boundaries installed in their relationship. And if you've reached this point today in your singleness, your relationship, or your marriage, and you haven't seriously considered, God, what's your boundary for my life in this season? Uh, I would lovingly present you with a possibility that maybe you haven't been living life as fulfilled as you could be. Whoa. But I, I, I believe that God wants to help somebody today. Uh, man, can y'all tell where this one's going? Shoot. And I, I know that some of y'all are, are already thinking like, oh, great, here comes the don't have sex before marriage sermon. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, don't do that. That's part of it. But uh, we are going beyond that tonight. Uh, and if you'll give me the gift of your attention for the next few minutes, I believe God wants to help somebody. Uh, so if you would, if you brought a Bible with you, you're extra spiritual if you brought your own, uh, but if you didn't, uh, it's going to show up probably really tiny up on the screen, so just, I'm going to read it to you. <laughs> uh, but turn with your Bibles, uh, turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 5. And uh, in V1 Church, we believe that the Bible is the perfect, inherent word of God. Uh, we believe that it's just as relevant today as it was the day it was written. Uh, we believe that it's, it's the source of all truth and that it can change anybody's life. So everything that you hear me talking about tonight, it's going to be rooted in the Bible. All right. So uh, what we're going to be reading from right now is probably the most famous sermon that Jesus preached in his ministry time on the earth. You might know it by its name, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. So we're going to be picking it up in verse 17, and it says this, and this is Jesus talking. It says, don't suppose for a minute that I have come to demolish the scriptures, either God's law or the prophets. Now, since today we're talking about boundaries, I want to take the word law, and I want to substitute in the word boundary, because when you look at the original Hebrew word for law, the word is Torah, and it's translated as the teaching and direction for life, the, the, the principles that God gave his people for their spiritual well-being, okay? So, so we're going to use those words interchangeably for the sake of tonight so it clicks with what we're saying. So I want to read this again. Uh, Don't suppose for a minute that I have come to demolish the scriptures, either God's boundaries 
boundaries or the prophets. I'm not here to demolish, but to complete. It seems that there's maybe a few Christians around today that have maybe misapplied the concept of God's grace, uh, misapplied it to mean that God's, uh, God's boundaries and God's law has now taken a back seat and God's grace has become a license to disregard God's boundaries. But, but what Jesus is actually saying in this passage is that he came to reinforce and reemphasize God's boundaries. See, when you, when you truly give your life to Jesus, church, what you're really saying is, I'm signing up to do things your way. Yeah, that's right. And because of the grace that I have been shown, I'm going to live my life within the boundaries that you've set up in order to become more like you. That's, that's the whole point of this following Jesus thing. And uh, tonight, I want to talk about a guy in the Bible named, named David. Uh, because I think it's important as we're exploring this idea of what are God's boundaries for our lives in, the, in this area, uh, it's also important to uh, understand um, why those boundaries matter. And we're going to get a little bit more specific a little bit later on, but uh, I want to read out of 2 Samuel chapter 11. And uh, if you're turning in your Bibles there, I'll try to give some brief context as you find it. Uh, but at this point in the book of 2 Samuel, David was the king of Israel. And he was doing a great job, okay? He was killing it. Uh, Israel was winning battles left and right. Uh, people loved David. Um, he had a lot of fans. Uh, so he was, he was doing good. He was on top of the world at this point in Scripture. So that's where we're going to be dropping in here in 2 Samuel 11, verse 1. And it says this, When that time of year came around again, the anniversary of the Ammonite aggression, David dispatched Joab and his fighting men of Israel in full force to destroy the Ammonites for good. They laid siege to Rabbah, but David stayed in Jerusalem. Now, already off the bat, I want to I stop and I want to talk about this for a little bit because David already, he done messed up, all right? <laughs> And, and, and unless you understand the, the cultural context of the time, this could be something that's easy to gloss over. But what, I want to highlight the tail end of this last verse where it says, but David stayed in Jerusalem. And I'm going to tell you why that's important. The reason that that's important is because at this time, David's place was not in his palace in Jerusalem. His place should have been on the battlefield with his army. Should have been on the battlefield with his army. And I know we haven't gotten there yet, but David, he's getting ready to face some trouble. And, and I think that so much of the time, a lot of the stuff that we struggle with in life is simply a result of us not being where God's called us to be. I think a lot of the sin that seems to ensnare us on a regular basis, it might become a thing of the past if we just stepped into God's assignment for that season of our life. Because, and you can write this down if you want to apply this later, God's boundaries will keep you in the right fight. God's boundaries will keep you in the right fight. Think about it this way. Do we have any uh, UFC fans in the house? We got a few, any combat sport, boxing, anything like that. Um, I want to, I want to think about it this way. The thing that separates a prize fight from becoming an all out riot is what? It's the boundary. It's the octagon, right? And I think the revelation that we can get from this is that you are always going to be in a fight. You're always going to be in a fight. David, he could have been in the fight with his army. But instead, he's getting ready to fight a battle of a different nature. 
You can be in a fight, listen to this, you can be in a fight for your spouse or you can be in a fight with your spouse. You can be in a fight for your purity or you can be in a fight to cover up and mitigate your lack of purity. But you're always going to be in a fight, church. I like the 7 p.m. You're always going to be in a fight, church, but God's boundaries will keep you in the right fight. Let's keep reading. I like the Bible. If y'all ever thought the Bible was boring, like, drama's about to happen, all right? This is like the original Netflix drama right here. It says, one late afternoon, David got up from taking his nap. Anybody have a between-services nap today? That is a holy and righteous thing. The load-in team's like, what's that? Can we give it up for our dream team? Y'all make this happen. You hear that squeak? That's three sermons today. It's only going downhill from here. Anyways, Bible, okay. Uh, David got up from taking his nap and was strolling on the roof of his palace. From his vantage point on the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was stunningly beautiful, and David sent to ask about her Snapchat. That's what my Bible says. I don't know what yours does. And he was told, isn't this Bathsheba, daughter of Eliam and wife of Uriah the Hittite? David sent his agents to get her. Now, okay, I know we got a lot of young adults in here. If you're a single guy in this room right now, uh, I wouldn't recommend this. Uh, unless you're the king of Israel, um, you're probably going to get in trouble if you send your boys to get uh, the girl that you've been staring at at the gym. Don't do it. It's creepy. Not going to end well. Is it bad that I felt like I needed to give that disclaimer? <laughs> Did I just get roasted from the crowd? I'll have to listen to the, the recording of this. Okay. Let's keep reading. It says, after she arrived, he went to bed with her. Come on, David. This occurred during the time of purification following her period. Then she returned home. Before long, she realized she was pregnant. Later, she sent word to David, I'm pregnant. Now, again, uh, today we're talking about boundaries. And, and God's boundaries in this area seems to be a subject that the world attributes zero significance to. But tonight, uh, we're going to be talking about not only why we need boundaries to save us from a lot of unnecessary pain, but why I, I would say you actually need these boundaries to propel you into your purpose. Yeah. So, church, would you pray with me? Uh, Jesus, I thank you for what you can do uh, of eternal significance in a finite amount of time. Yeah. Pray that you'd use this message, uh, that you would do something in this space that words in and of themselves cannot do. Father, I thank you for breakthrough. I thank you uh, for what you began at the beginning of this series. Uh, and I thank you that you're seeing it to completion tonight. Father, I just pray uh, a blessing over each and every person here that they would receive the thing that they've been longing for. And that's your spirit. So, Jesus, we give you this time. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Give me a Pentecostal amen. Yeah. V1 Queens was like, we don't know how. What is that? But y'all are rowdy. I would say there's probably four different types 
of people when it comes to how we approach boundaries. Uh, there's people who are unaware of boundaries over their head. Uh, there's people who respect boundaries. There's people who blatantly ignore boundaries. You know who you are. Don't raise your hand. Uh, and then there's people who uh, will get as close as possible to a boundary without technically crossing it. Now, if there's any parents in the room, y'all probably know exactly what I'm talking about. If your kids are anything like I was for my parents, like you'll push that envelope. But wait, did you really say this, though? Um, <laughs> but there's, there's those different types of ways to approach boundaries. And I'd say these apply to our relationships, our sexuality, all these things. Um, but I would say they also apply to New York City parking regulations. <laughs> I'm going to tell you how here in a second, and I'm also going to tell you which category I fall into. Um, some of you, uh, man, we're going there. Some of you, you might know my story. Some of you might not. Uh, I moved to New York a little over three years ago. Uh, I, I packed up my car, drove from Chesterton, Indiana to Bushwick, Brooklyn to help start our church. And uh, to be honest, uh, moving from small town Indiana to Brooklyn had its fair share of adjustments, and one of which was the insane street parking rules that we have in our wonderful city. Um, and if y'all are like, I know there's some Long Islanders that are like, I've never been to Times Square. I'll never go there. Um, just take my word for it. If you don't encounter this, Queens, they definitely related. Um, <laughs> but uh, these regulations are insane. And uh, because honestly, in, on my street in Chesterton, Indiana, I don't think it ever even once got swept. <laughs> and guess what? Nobody died. We were good. You could still drive on, it still worked, but for some reason out here in the boroughs, you have to move your car every 20 minutes because God forbid there's like a gum wrapper on the curb, I don't know. Like, you guys realize that, it, that in Queens, Brooklyn, wherever, we will pile our garbage in bags this high on the sidewalk, but we sweep our streets nine times a week. Maybe you just needed an outside perspective to let you know how weird that is. <laughs> but I digress. Uh, but it's not only the street sweeping, it's also the fire hydrants. I cannot tell you the number of times that my heart leapt in my chest thinking I finally found a spot to park after 45 minutes of searching only to find, guess what? There was a reason that nobody was parking there. Yeah, yeah. And I had to learn a lot of these rules the hard way. Um, <laughs> you remember how I said there's different ways to approach boundaries? I started out ignorant. Uh, <laughs> just being real, I would look at a street and I'd be like, wow, this whole half of the street's completely empty. It's my lucky day. And I'd go and I'd park there and I'll give you a guess how that ended up. But once I got wise to what was really happening, uh, I, I uh, quickly shifted categories. I was no longer ignorant, but I also wasn't quite ready to disregard the boundaries because at the time I was living on ramen and uh, parking tickets was not compatible with my lifestyle. <laughs> but how many of you guys know that anything's legal for a few minutes if you put your hazard lights on? Y'all live on the edge. I like you. <laughs> But uh, I'll, I will tell you what I did end up doing, though. I became the person that learned the exact letter of the law to where I could max what I could do without getting a ticket. 
And to let you know the lengths I went to, uh, apparently you have to park at least 15 feet away from a fire hydrant uh, to be parked legally. Um, I'm not making this up. I wish I was. Uh, but I started keeping a tape measure oh, yeah. in my glove compartment. That's just, that's just smart. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and if there was ever any doubt, I kid you not, I would take it out and I would make extra sure <laughs> that I was going to be good. And you better believe that if I got a ticket and I was 15 feet and one inch from that fire hydrant, they were going to see me in court. <laughs> I actually did that. I don't do that anymore, um, in case you're wondering. Uh, to, for, let the record show that I didn't get any tickets once I started doing that. Nice. Let's clap that in. I did get some weird looks, though. But the reason I say all of that is because we all approach boundaries differently. We're unaware of the boundary, we accept it, we reject it, or we toe that line as closely as we can, just hoping that we don't get burned. But what I want to stress to you tonight is that no matter how you approach God's boundary in your life, it doesn't change the fact that it exists and that it was designed to save you from unnecessary pain and tragedy. You get something out of this church? Yeah. Think that so often in our culture, we're being conditioned to view any boundary imposed on our life by God as a barrier to what we ultimately want. When in reality, a boundary isn't so much a barrier as it is a bridge. Go with me on this. Anytime you look at any well-constructed safe bridge, you see a barrier on either side to keep you from falling off. But I would argue that the most defining characteristic of a bridge is that it takes you somewhere that you're trying to go. Wow, that's good. You can focus on what it's keeping you from, or you can focus on where it may end up taking you to. You might, you might look at I know we got some kids in the room. You might, you might look at not being intimate with your significant other as, as a barrier to that, to that closeness and that intimacy with them in the present. But God looks at it and he says, no, nah, that's, that's a bridge to even deeper intimacy in the future. You, you might look at not viewing certain videos on the Internet as a barrier to your comfort and your routine now. But God looks at that and he says, now that's, that's a bridge to a healthy mind that's going to produce the best relationships that you could imagine in the future. Yeah. Do you see how it starts to change the way you look at things, church? What if we became a group of people that could look at something that most people say, that's a barrier to something good and say, nah, that's a bridge to something better. Come on. Look at the person next to you say, it's a bridge. It's a bridge. Say it with some attitude, it's a bridge. I like you guys. I love my church. But let's get practical for a second, okay? Let's get practical for a second. Uh, because I can tell that you guys want some applications to take into your Monday. Is that true? You're like, this is all great, but what am I going to do when I see this person, okay? Just being real. Uh, I want to revisit David in the book of 2 Samuel. Remember how we talked about how right off the bat, David was not where he was supposed to be. And you want to know the number one thing that y'all can do right now to save yourself a whole bunch of pain and heartbreak in the future? You want to know? 
Find out what God's assignment for this season of your life is and go all in 100% on that thing. Sounds simple, but it's true. It sounds simple, but it's true. And, and uh, I, mean, I, I mean this in all the love in the world, so don't be mad at me, but I, I would venture a guess that a lot of the, the struggle, a lot of the things that you're facing in life may have to do with the fact that you just have too much time and energy on your hands. Then maybe not, that's not everybody in the room, but maybe for some of you. And, and before you get mad at me, let me put it this way. I think it would have been a whole lot harder for David to sleep with Bathsheba if he'd been out fighting the Ammonites like he should have been. Do you guys know that your biggest battles won't come when you're busy? They'll come when you're bored? Your biggest battles, they don't come when you're busy. They come with your bored. And if you struggle with your purity, if you struggle with boundaries in this area, if that's, if, if that's a struggle for you, do you want to hear my profound word from God for your life today? Start serving in church. Join the dream team. Join a connect group. Start filling your time with things that reset your focus onto the things of God and his church. And I'll just say this again, and I'm sorry if this is raw, but some of y'all, you just aren't tired enough at the end of the day. And you have all this energy that you're just allocating towards sin. <laughs> but what would your life start to look like if you stopped staying out so late on Saturday and got to bed early so you could come to load in Sunday morning? And the load in team said, Amen. Wow, that was the loudest amen of the night. Wow. Sign up uh, for the dream team. See, when I, when I look at uh, the example of David in this story, I think it's pretty plain to see the progression. It, what, how did it start? It started with him not being in his assignment. But what happened next? It says this. From his vantage point on the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was stunningly beautiful. Modern 2020 translation. He was scrolling through his Instagram feed and he saw an Instagram model. Guys, the, the devil's been using the same playbook since the beginning of time. But when are we going to stop falling for it? Just like David... In this story, though, I want to say this. You don't always have a choice where the temptation starts, but through the power of the cross, you always have a choice where it ends. And I want to talk to the person in the room tonight that feels so beaten down by life and temptation. I want to talk to the person tonight who feels like there's no escape and feels like maybe even God's asking the impossible of you when he's asking you to live like this. But I want to read 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Tim and Allison, y'all can come help me out as we get ready to close. Now, I know we didn't have time to, 
go through the whole story of David and Bathsheba. I'd encourage you this week to go on and read it for yourself. But the short version of it is that David, he tries to cover up what he did. And in doing so, he actually has Uriah, the husband of Bathsheba, murdered. And he goes on to, to marry Bathsheba and have this son with her. And, and because of this, David's life starts crashing down around him. And, and his son actually dies. And the process begins of his kingdom starting to unravel around him. And I, I, church, I want to I try to bring some clarity to something tonight that the devil has worked really hard to bring confusion to. Because the overarching sentiment in our world today is, it's not a big deal. Right? Isn't that true? It's not a big deal. I think the world has done a really good job at taking the things that aren't a big deal and making them into a big deal. But then taking the things that really matter and diminishing them. But, but church, and I'm telling you, you become a whole lot more grateful for God's boundaries when, when you grab a revelation of how far you actually may have to fall and how much you have been saved from yourself by the grace of God. And, and I, I don't like that I'm able to say this, but I've seen way too many, uh, way too many men and women of God uh, disqualify themselves from their calling because they got this too late. And God can redeem any story. We know that. We've seen that. But, you know, David, he had to learn this the hard way, and it's my prayer that you don't have to. You don't always have a choice where the temptation starts, but through the power of the cross, you always have a choice where it ends. Ladies in the room, just because he texts you at 2 a.m., hey, baby, come over, doesn't mean that you have to. And and, and please don't misinterpret my meaning. I I don't mean to oversimplify this because I know it's actually, it can be pretty complex. I'm well aware of the fact that oftentimes a broken boundary stems from a broken heart. Maybe you're in a position in your life tonight where you're just so tired of being alone that you've been willing to compromise your standard out of fear that you'll lose what you have if you don't. Or maybe you're in such an unhealthy place in your marriage and you've been fighting for so long, but you just threw up the white flag and you resigned to the idea that you're just going to have to meet your emotional needs outside of your spouse. And it hasn't been a physical boundary that's been crossed yet, but it's been an emotional one, maybe an inappropriate texting conversation or maybe a relationship at work. Or maybe you're here and you were actually abused in your past or maybe even recently, and and it marked you in a way that now the way that you view yourself and the way you value yourself is you get affirmation and validation only if somebody desires you sexually. Broken boundary often stems from a broken heart. But the good news tonight is that we serve a God who's in the business of restoring broken things. And I know sometimes we close down messages 
screaming and, and all this, but I think God's getting ready to make a really sweet, powerful moment in this space. See, the devil, he comes to destroy, but God always comes to build. And you might be sitting in your seat tonight thinking, I've broken every boundary, or I've broken some major boundaries. And even as I was talking about God's boundary is a bridge, you're thinking, man, I done blown that bridge a long time ago. But God's word for you tonight is rebuild the bridge. It's time to rebuild the bridge, church. And you might be thinking, okay, I want that, yeah, but how? It all starts with giving your life to Jesus. Because see, boundaries without Jesus is just behavior modification. And we're not about that at V1 Church. We're about soul transformation. It starts when you give your life to Jesus. Church, would you stand to your feet? I want to make a moment here because I want to take us through a couple steps. Because how many know sometimes freedom, uh, it's a journey, right? It's a progression. I want to take us through a couple steps tonight. But the first one, the most important one is, do you know Jesus? And with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to make a moment. As I was speaking, uh, if you were thinking, man, I've never given my life to Jesus. I I never even really knew what that meant, but I want it. Or maybe you're here and you know that you walked away and you haven't been living for him, but you want to come back to him tonight. If that is you and you want to be in right relationship with Jesus tonight, nobody's looking around. This is a moment between you and God and I just want to pray for you. Can you raise your hand if that's you? Come on, thank you for your boldness. There are, there are hands up all over this place. You can put your hands down. Come on, this is, I love it. I live for this. Uh, we're getting ready to say a prayer. And it's not a magic prayer. It's not your get into heaven free card. But the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. Not you might be saved. You shall be saved. And I know there's a lot of people in this room that are saying this for the first time. And I know there's a lot of people recommitting their life to Jesus. But church, we're going to say a prayer. I just want you to repeat after me. And and let's just all join in faith with people saying this for the first time. So just borrow my words. Repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus, I give you my life. I'm signing up to do things your way. Everything I have. Everything in me. I give to you. I'm a sinner and I need a savior. I'm not a good God, but you are. I don't know what my future holds, but I know who holds it. And I give you my life for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, can we give a hand for everybody? We just crossed over literally from death to life in this place. Man, heaven's celebrating right now. But there's another moment that I felt the Holy Spirit leading us into as a church. Um, Because for some of you, you raised your hand, you gave your life to Jesus 
It's amazing. I know there's also a lot of us in here who are already following Jesus. We're already believers. For some people in this place, the most holy spiritual thing that you can do tonight might not be raising your hand, might be taking your phone out of your pocket and deleting a contact and blocking a number. For some of you, the most holy spiritual thing that you can do tonight is turn around, face your spouse, hold their hand and say, I'm sorry. And let the Holy Spirit heal a moment. And I, I don't know, those are a couple examples. I don't know what that thing is for you. But even as I said it, the Holy Spirit, he, he brought something into your heart. And it might have your heart racing right now. You might have felt it in your gut like, oh man, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can let go of this. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit pushing you on the verge of freedom tonight. And I want to make a moment. We got, we got our pastoral team that's going to come up here and... and we're getting ready to sing a little bit more. We're going to sing this song for a couple minutes. And in this time, whatever that thing is, I want to encourage you to be bold tonight and take a step towards Jesus. Take a step towards freedom. We're getting ready to sing. We have a prayer team up here that if you need somebody to partner with you and you need to borrow their courage, you need somebody to walk through this moment with you, please do not leave this place in chains. Because the chain breaker's right here, church. His name's Jesus. So we're getting ready to sing that out again. Uh, church, I believe the Holy Spirit's going to do something. So let's worship. Let's sing it out. Wow, wasn't that an incredible message? I am sure that you had some questions in your heart, totally satisfied. But I believe that there's actually something else you can do right now. Share this message with a friend. As a matter of fact, if it's helped you, I believe it's gonna help so many more people around the world. And if you wanna continue to help us reach those people, feel free to go to www.v1.church and click give. We will see you next week.